You are listening to Intro to Extra, the life and times of polar people, the podcast where an introvert and extrovert talk about how they perceive and experience life differently through random musings and anecdotes. This podcast is meant to explore experiences and is intended to provide a certain level of empathetic understanding. In no way are the opinions expressed in this discussion an absolute about introvert and extrovert realities, simply two individuals' awareness of each other's methods of coping with their existence in the world. Each week we will discuss a new phenomenon and will end when we feel we've exhausted enough experiences or no one actually listens. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to... Part two, because you couldn't get enough the first time, of our introvert-extrovert discussion on work. So Greg, if you're still with me here, like two of our users, listeners, what, what, what uh, let's talk about conferences, because conferences, I, hate is a strong word, so I'm not going to use that, but conferences are the most draining thing to me ever I spend so much of my energy just navigating the masses of people I feel like I don't absorb any other information and I really want to know is 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 conference or conferences just something that certain people like or don't or is there actually something to being an introvert versus an extrovert when it comes to how you navigate conferences and just how you, what you get out of them. Cause I get nothing out of conferences. I, I, I tell, I tell my bosses, I don't want to go to that conference because I think someone else should go, but I, I don't know. Are you the, are you the same way or what do you get out of them? So it's interesting to think about from a conference perspective, introvert versus extrovert. As an extrovert, so let's just talk about me, Greg, like what, what Greg gets out of, out of conferences. I w- the only major conference that I attended, I've been to several, but the only one that I attended continuously was a conference out in San Francisco, a very large one uh, for the security world. And what I found was the, the closed-door session with experts in the field that are actually presenting topics of note with closed door, like workshops, et cetera. I think there's a lot of value. You can learn a lot about how they're doing the business, what trends they're seeing. I think there's some, some strong value there. And if you have a working conference, but the rest of the conference, when I go out there and over time, I actually shortened my stay one because San Francisco is so expensive, but also because the value began to diminish over time as it became more along the lines of looking at new software, looking at new vendors, and having them take you out to dinner seemed to be about what the point of a conference oh, was. Oh, dinners. Gosh. I, I love my food, Greg. I love to eat, but I would, I would wither away if all, oh, yeah. I had, if all I had was schmooze dinners. They schmooze go for two dinners hours. are the worst. They go for two hours. You have small talk. You usually talk about something you don't care about. My favorite is... Um, the, the, the angling a sales guy does, this is the, absolutely my favorite thing. These guys are looking for an angle to talk to you. Yes, I, absolutely. Like, do you have kids? They're like, you're like, that's the first thing you go with. Or do you like sports? Like either one of those things are, and you go, 
we're at a software tech conference. Sports, really? That's your that's your go to. That's mm-hmm. that's what you picked out. You uh, you golf. Y- you sold mm. software for a while. <laughs> Right, and, and, you're and new I, to this. It's, it's, it's funny because like these 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 schmooze dinners, as I call them, right? One, I pay for my own, right? There's company policies, so they're not getting that out of me, right? They're not getting any sort of benefit or advantage from paying for my meal or anything like that. I am literally just to there to at my personality is I'm there to try to get some sort of meaningful information out of this. I am not there to, this sounds harsh. I am not there to build a relationship with you and be your friend. And I, and, and trust me, I've worked with many of salespeople that I think are great. I know what their goal is. I know what their job is. I know why they're doing that. But that is a hard part of my job because I have to do that or I have in the past, maybe not as much now in my current job, but I've had to do that in the past. It is part of my job to go to these things, to meet with these people's people to build these relationships and it is absolutely just it's impossible for me to do and well well for me for me and I get that I totally understand because it's not that much easier for me Ross I sit there okay. and go because I'm a value-based individual I'm sitting there going what does this cost me I mean one time I got suckered into a dinner because she made me feel bad Basically, and this is really bad. This is bad on the company. So several people, she had made calls all before we had ever gotten to to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. She had made calls. And of course, she doesn't care if I'm there. She wants the senior execs that are going to make decisions sure. there. right? So all these people had told her yes beforehand. She's a relationship manager of the organization. Everybody descends upon, like everybody says they're going to go. And I'm like, I got to bail. Come to find out everybody else bailed on her. So now I'm there. So I said, I can't do that to you. I'll, I'll be there. So there's yeah. me and two other people that aren't the people that she's supposed to be having this dinner for 12 people at sitting there having dinner. And actually it turned out okay. Cause we had a really great conversation. It was fun. And she wasn't gonna make a sale out of me cause I had no authority, yeah. but, but I think that's what the point of the dinners is. And so in my case, I'd rather do coffee with people. So when I go to conferences, I set up lots of coffees with all these salespeople. Okay. Okay. So I say, okay, cool. You get 15 minutes. Give me 15 minutes. I'll, I'll sit there. And if I like you and I want, I want to continue the conversation, I'll go do your dinner or whatever. So do you make, do you make as, as, as an extrovert, do you, do you enjoy making those, I almost call it speed dating, right? But like, like those snap judgments of you're interesting, like 15 minutes, I'm assuming you can find anyone interesting. That's an assumption. Please correct no, me if I'm wrong. No, lots like, you know, five, right away, five yeah, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> about that, about that, like about that, you could find out whether or not that individual, I mean, yeah, in about five but minutes. It, but is like, it entertaining? Yeah. But like, is it entertaining to you? Like you do that and you're like, okay, okay, okay. And then I make a snap judgment. Like, all right, you, I want to talk more to, because I can get more out of you. It's like me. I don't know. I, I I mean, I feel like I can make those assessments pretty well, but even then I still don't even, even if I'm like, this person's got something, I still have to push myself to be like, all right, come on, talk to them more, build the relationship, you know, do those, do those things. That that's where I, that's where I struggle. And I can see that. I, I think I am really a scholar of the Dale Carnegie, you know, you influence every year. I read that book in January, January one, I pull that book out and I read how to win friends and influence people every year. Same book. Um, and I like that book. And by the way, Dale Carnegie was an introvert, right? He didn't really mm-hmm. like people that like he was intimidated by people, didn't yeah. like those relationships. And so he wrote this book on how to do it. He's gotten a bad rap because he is, it is a sales book and cynical, but, but I do recognize the value of a relationship. Mm-hmm. 
one of the things I, the story I, I learned about salespeople and why I care about learning about them really quickly is because I want to know whether I buy the software or not, are you the guy, are you a sales guy? Or are you the guy who's going to back up your decision about the sale? I, the story I always use is I was working maintenance uh, in college. That's kind of how I paid my rent. One of the several ways in which I paid for my living in, in Austin for school. But I worked maintenance. And me doing maintenance is not a good job. Actually, me going around and caulking bathtubs and putting up ceiling fans and standing outside fixing ACs wasn't exactly like the thing you should probably have Greg do. Handyman but, Greg. We yeah, all no, want I, handyman Greg knocking on our door. The door. unhandyman. That's that's what it is. Like, I've, I've ruined Break more. more than you fix. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, way more. <laughs> they left me to drain duty uh, to pull the hair out of the, you know, the, anyways, whatever. Um so I, I remember I was left alone. We, we had just, the, the head of maintenance had gotten fired. It was just me and this other guy, and I was the more senior guy. And so we're sitting there trying to figure out how to fix this. And then we had an issue. We had a part that was broken and, and we needed that part replacement. So, and I didn't drive. I didn't do a license until I was 21. So I couldn't go pick it up. And the del- guy for Supply Warehouse had already delivered that morning uh, when we got the part. And we didn't, again, this should have been on inventory. It's a shortcoming on us. It doesn't matter. We... I called the supply warehouse and said, Hey, can you make one more delivery today? You're doing routes anyway. Can you deliver this part? We'll buy four of them. Like it gets us the minimum, whatever. They said, I can't do it, but I can have the part ready for you and you can come pick it up. I said, I don't have a car. I can't, I can't come get it. And then of course he insulted me and said, who the hell doesn't have a car or working, whatever. Anyways. Sure. At that time around, there was another guy that was coming around for Home Depot warehouse, Home Depot supply. And we never bought anything from him because the apartment complex had always bought these parts from Supply Warehouse. But he always wanted to deal and he'd make house calls, whatever. So I had, his, I had his business card there. So I called him up and I said, hey, man, would you happen to have this part? And he said, no, I don't have that part. He said, why? I, 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 he asked me, why? why do you, what, what, what's up? And I said, well, I need this part today. It's, 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 a, door, it's, it's a lock and key is what it is. And I needed one of those for, for a it was busted. I don't know how it busted. It's student apartment complex. You never know how these things get busted. But I needed this thing to be fixed. And the guy's like, yeah, no, we don't ha- carry that. We don't carry whatever we needed, the part. And he said, does Supply Warehouse have it? I said, yeah. He says, well, did you call them and try to get it delivered? I said, yeah, they won't do it. He goes, hmm. You know what? <clears throat> That's fine. You know what? I'm all in the car now. I'm driving around. Let me just stop off at Supply Warehouse for you. Wow. I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. I'll get I'll get the part. I'll bring it over. Talking about he goes, you, can, you, can just pay, you can just pay me back or whatever. Yeah. So he comes in and he, he drops me the part off. I mean, it could have been more than 20 minutes. The, the guy's there with the part. And, he, and again, we don't make sales with this guy. So, like, this guy's just, A... Well, right away, I was like, whatever. I went to my bo- the, the head of the apartment complex, and I said, look, this is what we're going to do. I said, this, this happened. This really happened. I said, every time we have a new part to replace, a full replacement, we're going to go with the parts from uh, Home Depot Supply. And over the course of a year, we actually transitioned most of the parts we had at that apartment complex to Home Depot Supply, wow. uh, which is a good story for him. And who knows what a $20, $25 part was uh, and not insulting the maintenance guy. Uh, does for a company, but I do the same thing in 15 minutes or five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is at coffee, I can figure out pretty quickly the character of the person relatively. And I've been bamboozled a couple of times, but for the most part, I'm pretty good. And I use it as an opportunity to be like, I do I really one, do I really want to sit and ha- listen to you talk about whatever it is you're going to talk about, right? You're, so you're looking for yep. whether or not they're arrogant and want to talk about whatever they're going to talk about. 
And the second thing is, does this person have the character that after they make the sale, they're going to still be there tomorrow? Yeah. And I, and I've, I've, I've seen more vendors than not at these conferences looking for their sale at the end of the year, not being the character of what I would describe as a Dale Carnegie salesperson as a person who's really going to have build a relationship there. And so if I'm going to go to dinner with you and spend an hour with you, I better like you yeah. because I don't want to spend an hour with anybody I don't like. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good doesn't matter how good the food is. Especially not but, for dinner, man. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good the food is. So so and that's and that's what I was curious about with, with conferences. Cause for me, I always thought it was just me. It's like I hate going to these dinners. I'm just gonna be sold on things. That's obviously n- nobody nobody really likes that. And I and I think for for all my for all my sales folks out there they recognize that too, right? They have, they have a job too. It's called work for a reason. They know it's work. They know they're doing something that might not necessarily be the most appealing to the people that are on the other end, but they have to as well. But I will tell you, I, I try to tack on a vacation at the end of the uh, conference trips on my own time and on my own money, just so I can get lost in a crowd and actually not have to be, you know, on point the whole time. So now one thing I wanted to ask you, because I typically can go for very long periods of time at work without going and chit chatting with somebody or, you know, striking up a conversation. What, not saying that in my current job, I have that luxury, right? Some of my responsibilities mean I have to go chit chat with people and talk with them and I flex, but how long can you go before you're just like, all right, I need to get in and let's pretend pandemic over. I've got to get up and go do the whole, you know, put my arm on the, on the cube, on the cube wall and be like, Hey Bob, how's it going? And just have the conversation. Is that like, do you get that urge? Like every, I, I, I feel like this is, <laughs> this is me totally not knowing, but this is what's in my head. So for all the extroverts out there, you can, you can correct me. I feel like every 15 minutes you start to like break out and like start scratching yourself. Like, Oh man, I want to go, I want to go chat with somebody. Even if it's work related, like, God, I gotta go chat with somebody about something. This is, I'm stuck in my mind. I want to tell somebody something. Is that, is it 15 minutes? I don't know. No, it depends on the job. I mean, so if you're focused on the work, obviously you're not, you're not, you're not picking up and, and just running away. Um, but I do think, yeah, I, so probably the best way to put it is this. When you get to a stopping point, my first thought isn't let's open email and go answer some email. It's let's get up and go find someone to talk to. Oh yeah. You've had, you've had an hour by yourself. Yeah. You've had an hour by yourself. Now you need to go find someone. So you, you make the effort to like grab somebody. And the the interesting thing about being a manager, being a leader, and I know we're going to talk about this. We're probably going to have another series of this. I think work is going to dive in quite a great deal for several different podcasts, but I really am a subscriber of manager by walking around, manage by walking around. Nothing bothers me more than a manager that spends their life sitting in their office by themselves. It's it's not a good look for leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think it's hard for introverts, and I do have empathy for them that they find themselves getting zoned in. But for me, a manager by walking around, while I annoy my, my employees by grabbing them and be like, hey, you want to go to coffee? They're happy to have the time. Yeah. So I make it an effort to grab them all the time and go places and move around and, and realizing that here's the other part that's reality about my personality type 
and maybe this is true extrovert or just Greg, is I recognize that by spending my time with my people that I'm going to spend an extra two or three hours at the office after hours trying to finish my work because I'm spending mm-hmm. all my time with my people. Yeah, you're making, that, you're making that sacrifice willingly. You know you know what the, and not necessarily the consequence, but you're going to be, but I guess for you, walking around talking with those people will give you the energy that when everybody's gone, you'll have the leftover energy to work on that stuff That's because you, exactly you right. spent the day like getting amped up versus me by four or 5 PM. I'm ready to recover. I'm drained. Like I do all of my focus work between six and 9 AM. That's my focus time or seven to 10, depending on when I finish my fitness. But that's when I get my focus. Cause I haven't had a lot of the, and, and like I said, I love, I love talking. I love talking to people that I've built that relationship that I know my team. I'm a, I'm a leader as well. So I, I, I pride myself on building those relationships with my team, right. And caring, caring about the team members and knowing that they have an advocate for them. But if I'm going to do focus, like really drive in, like build a strategy or go through that, it's going to be early on in the morning because by the end of the day, I, I flex my style to meet, to elevate the energy, to meet with people, chat with them, get the virtual coffee at this point, but get the coffee, have those conversations you know, multiple threads on Slack going at the same time where I'm just chatting with people about their weekend. End of the day, I'm done versus it sounds like you, you're willing to sacrifice that. I'm willing to get up early to get the focus work done. You're willing to say, you know what, I'll work a little later because I'm going to, I'm going to spend some time, some extra time with these folks. And and later isn't necessarily for me. A lot of it used to be on the weekends. I used to yeah. work on. A, I used to take one day a weekend uh, because work in some ways. So I'm the same. I am a morning person these days. I like that seven to nine when my brain is really charged. Yeah. Six six thirty to nine, my my brain is really supercharged. Obviously, you know, working out that was a a, a gift from Monica and Ross. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're working out. Uh, but from that 630 to 9 window, I'm pretty, I'm pretty on. And I'd like to be left alone to do those, to work, to get my thoughts together. Meeting with people that early. And, I've, and also, what I've found with people a lot is they haven't yet caught on to the idea of if you've got a headache, you better bring aspirin. <laughs> right you're, you're an adult you you yeah, have you yeah. have you have authority you have decision over your own domain like what are you coming to me with with your headache without having at least some thought of through a solution it's like the minute they hit a wall they're immediately going help help me now yeah. and you're like okay so so i can't to having those distractions early in the morning does derail and it makes it very hard to stay on at the end of the day i find myself a lot more tired these days than when I used to be in the office. And I think that has to do with the extroverted part. I think I am more mm-hmm. tired now because as, as we talked about in the very first podcast, I think I'm more tired now. And I don't have that energy because I'm not actually meeting with people and engaging with them and walking around and, and being alive. I'm just sitting in front of a computer. It's not the same even if there's a person there. Yeah. Now, we, I, had, I had a management meeting the other day on Monday and actually, no, it was, it was a Friday, it was a Friday meeting. And I, and I said something, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of, oh, meeting on Friday. Well, at least it's Friday, best day of the week. And I had one of my peers go, no, Monday's the best day of the week. And I, and I jokingly said, I'm like, you must be an extrovert. He goes, absolutely. And I knew that, right. It was, it was sarcasm because it's, 
this is I love this dude and because he he and I he and I are in sync so much and I told him I said I have somebody else who I know that Monday is like they are amped up like ready to go like god I was waiting for the weekend to be over so I can start talking to my people again and I just don't like I don't know. Like for me, it's like I'm in the zone like Thursday, Friday, right? Like like that's that's when I finally start getting ramped up and like getting in the mode of it. But is Monday the best day that like is this a, is this is this just like a myth? Is this like Bigfoot or something like the Loch Ness monster? Or is Monday really like one of your favorite days of the week? I think it used to be. I think it used to be. I I did like Mondays. Uh, because you are going back to the office, you get changed, you get you get adventure it, that to see what the people are going to do with the office and those things. But as I've approached it from now, trying to treat my weekends like vacation, and I'm starting to brave the world a little bit more to yeah. this point, I'm less. And also knowing that Monday means I have to sit in front of this computer and again for another yeah, nine it's, hours. Yeah, it's it's almost it's almost opposite for you now, right? Yeah, like like you yeah. have more. You oddly enough, you have more opportunity to interact with people on the weekend, which you would think, duh, but some of the companies we've worked for are, there are lots and lots of people where you would bump into people all the time. Now on the weekend is your only opportunity to get a ton of like stimuli. Right. And I think that's, I think it gets to Monday. It's really hard to trudge up those, those stairs to start the work again. And, and, but I do think in some cases, extroverts are probably that way. It just also depends on their situation, right? Like if they have kids. I mean, I've heard people say that about money, though, in general. Like for people who have children, Ross, which you and I both do not have children. Correct. Um, they always are like excited about Monday because, well, they get to be away from their children, which they won't admit actively. Yeah. Well, in, in, but, in some will. And it's not, it's not any less love for the kids. It's just people, mom and dad need a break, too. Is, yeah. is what they've always told me. It's like, look, I love my kids to death, but just like they get a break from me, I get a break from them. So, and that's, and that's a good point. I just, it's just the, enthu- I guess it's the enthusiasm for Monday sometimes baffles me with some people and mad props to them because they can run those Monday morning meetings at eight 30 all day long. And I'm, and I'm a morning person, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm chipper. At 8.30 well, on a Monday morning. I think that's it, right? I think what we're touching on, and I think it's it deserves some more investment, and I think you touched on it a little bit in the beginning, which was what job was you the worst at? What job were you the best at? Where do you think you excelled? I don't know if there's a lot of research on what are the best jobs for an extrovert, introvert. There's a lot of research on what types of work introverts and extroverts and how to lead and how to manage and how to communicate with introverts and extroverts. But we've never sat down and said, what are the types of jobs that extroverts and introverts need to do? And here's the reality though. I don't think there is a job no. that ideally fits an extrovert or introvert. No, I think it's a culture can, that fits. Yes. Because everybody can do like, it would be, I'd be remiss to say that, Oh, introverts are good at, you know, maybe developing software and, extroverts are only good at sales. No, 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 no. I, I've worked with, I've worked with the polar opposite personalities in those two disciplines who were phenomenal, but I do think it is a, what, what jobs tend to lean more towards 
and maybe it's almost like a, it's like a job satisfaction type of thing, right? Is, is, you know, do introverts find more intrinsic satisfaction in this job versus extroverts or not, right? It would be, it would be something interesting to look at. And to your point, is it a culture thing, right? That's one thing that we didn't, when we, when we talked earlier about a large organization versus a startup, and you talk about what types of personalities gravitate to those organizations, I think you have a mix of both, right? Because there's a level of, there's a level of focus and, you know, one, one could argue that Apple with Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, you know, I haven't, I haven't really studied their introversion and extroversion necessarily, but yep. typically small companies and organizations take both types of personalities I, I would venture to say that their small companies amplify those per, like those those personalities more, and large companies tend to, like you said, like we talked about earlier, the culture just kind of smooths it over, or maybe it dull it dulls the knife a little bit on both ends. But it would be it would be an interesting topic to to see one what types of job roles are just more personalities gravitate to and then what what size organizations what that makeup looks like even if it is just self-identified from a study perspective right yeah it's interesting it's interesting conversation um from that perspective yeah so so i'm so on on a similar note to what we were talking about earlier being a leader right and and You've you've been a leader for for many years now, and I've I've been in people leadership. You know, middle middle management is what they would call it. And I always people are surprised when I tell them I'm an introvert, right? Like, oh, you're in management, you're an introvert, and and maybe just because I do, I do, I do bring. I would like to think I bring a lot of energy to my teams, so. Some people think that having a lot of energy is just synonymous with an extrovert, which we, we recognize it's not. There's a lot of, it's very complicated. But I think to myself, you know, I'm, I'm drained on Friday. We talked about that. Like Monday, I'm drained, on, I'm drained on Friday. I re-energize, but Monday is still kind of one of those, my battery is full, but I know what's coming, right? Yep. So I, I try to think to myself, like, what, what does get me charged up about work? Cause I do have to flex, right? I do have to flex into, into different things. And for me, and that's what I'm curious, I'm curious your perspective for me, what energizes me is it still is the conversations with people, but what got me into leadership was, and at least people direct people leadership, not necessarily the strategy part, which is another passion of mine is having those one-on-one conversations and really diving into how they grow and learn was, is really what energizes me, right? It's less about it. I don't know. It's, it's less about the, you know, coming in and interacting with a bunch of people and getting the hall and doing that. It's one-on-ones are my, I guess what I'm getting at is one-on-ones are like my favorite meetings, because, They're a great meeting, but and and it's and it's because I'm I'm doing that directly now. That being said, going to a new team as I did recently, 
one-on-ones are tough because I'm still, I am eager. I am very eager to build that personal relationship and build that relationship with this person and learn how they work. And so it's twice as exhausting for me because I'm trying to, I'm trying to speed up the process and you can't speed up building trust because the first thing I try to do is get to know somebody and build trust with them. And so it's like doubly exhausting, but one-on-ones are, are my favorite meetings. And, and this is coming from a person who actually, I don't mind giving presentations. Like I kind of, I kind of enjoy that. It's kind of fun to me, but one-on-ones are still the ones that, that are exciting for me. So what meetings for you, like are one-on-ones the things that, you know, you look forward to, you know, you look at your, you get up in the morning, you look at your calendar you look at those things. What are the ones that like, you? Ooh, yes, I've got that meeting. Um, so I like one-on-ones the most. Those are the ones that are exciting. You get to actually have a real conversation with a real person. Um, I don't like meetings that involve, and again, I don't know. I mean, it's been zoom land for a while. So, but prior to zoom land, I think the meetings I liked most were the ones in which I thought we're going to contribute a lot to the conversation. Sure. I thought there were going to be people ideation meetings were my favorite. I didn't. Okay. So you, so you like the brainstorming ones because there's a lot of activity. There's, yeah. there's energy in the room and see, I'm, I don't know. I, I know there's value in those. Those are hard for me because I feel like for me, and, and this is, this is me being a bit judgy. So I apologize. I feel like all of the strong voices in the brainstorming rooms are people just posturing to be heard. And maybe, maybe that is some of that. And I don't want to, I feel bad because sometimes I inadvertently like lay that on, oh, those must be the extroverts just trying to, you know, voice their opinion and be heard. And I just, well, I think, and I just I think, roll my eyes. Well, I think there is some of that. I, I, there is definitely some posturing. That's without question. There is posturing. You always see that. You see, and, and that's culture, right? That, that depends on the culture you're in. But if, if you believe that your value is about how much you said, not what you said, then the culture will be that way. Yep. Great advice I got several years ago was write down write down your questions or your thoughts and write them down and write them down as you're thinking about them. What will, and then mark off them as they go down, because by the time you get to yours and it's your turn to talk, you'll, you'll probably have, you'll probably have the, the more, um, the more advanced thought process, the more interesting aha moment that no one else had thought of. It's going to increase your brand. So I do think some of that is true. But what I, what I find to be interesting in brainstorming meetings is that oftentimes it gives a level playing field. Everyone's voice is equal, mm-hmm. as opposed to, I think, when you're in a meeting with executives or you're in a meeting with people of higher rank status. And I keep, keep forgetting that I'm kind of in executive territory now. So like I forget that I have that, that level. But the good leaders are the ones that create an environment where everybody's voice is equal. Yeah. I think the bad ones are the ones where people think they get points by how much they said. Yeah. Qu- and oftentimes yeah. quality over quantity, right? Is yeah. What you're oftentimes for. they never say anything of relevancy at all. They just are saying stuff and just talking and you're like, dude, seriously? Like, okay. 
Yeah. And, and I know we'll, I know we'll probably need a, we'll probably need a part three on work. Cause there's at, at some point in the future, cause there's so much we could talk about, but my last, my last thing to, to wrap this up when, when you talk about the brainstorming sessions is I think one of the important things is facilitation and I'm curious when it comes to facilitating a meeting, I've seen people be wonderfully effective and I've seen people just fail miserably, right? Flat spin out to sea. What do you think, do you think introverts are better at, and this is not, this is not obviously not black or white and we're not, not making a confirmed statement, but just your perspective, facilitating meetings, introverts or extroverts, who would you rather, who would you rather have? facilitating a meeting we're talking brainstorming and then something needs to get done decisions need to be made i still think and this is biased but i think extroverts depending on who they are i think facilitation again is a skill that's probably not akin to a personality type but more sure. of a set of skills of listening etc exactly but extroverts are m- at least in my opinion, much more engaged in what's going on. They want to be there more. They want to be part of the mix more. They want to be part of different people. And they're also more interested in playing, playing <laughs> than they are about staying as a, as a third party observer. So yeah. based upon the meeting, I think it's probably, I'm walking myself into the answer. I think it depends on what your goal is for the facilitator to play. If they're an yeah. active engager, then I think an extrovert's going to be better. If they're designed to just keep the peace and be the school mom with the ruler, I think probably an introverts are probably a bit more controlled about how they engage with the audience, which gives them more authority. So yeah. it just kind of depends. Yeah, and I and I actually, I'm going to get, I'm going to get uh, one one piece of of hate mail because I'm I'm. I'm <laughs> From our I, four users? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For our yeah, four yeah, listeners? Yeah. Hey, you know, that's 25%, so I'm going to apologize for abandoning <laughs> abandoning uh, my, my audience here. I, I agree, Greg, from a standpoint of I think extroverts, it does depend on what you're looking to accomplish. I think if it's a spur of the moment or a like there's a larger group, I think an extrovert is going to be better. And here's, here's why I think this from my perspective is as an introvert, I want to, if I knew my whole audience, if I knew every single person had a relationship built, if I knew the material and I knew the specific outcome we were driving for, I think I could be very effective. But I always, and maybe I am an effective facilitator at any of those type of meetings, but you're right, it is a skill. It does take practice. And if you've practiced it and you have that skill design, like developed, it doesn't matter your personality. But as an introvert, I feel like I'm going to put too much work into it. And, and there's going to be a point of diminishing returns, right? Like at some point, Ross, studying the facilitator's guide for 20 hours is not going to make it a better session, right? Now, now that being all that to say, my team is going to have the joy of having me facilitate a culture training session for them later this year. So... I, we'll have yeah. to have a follow-on session of a play-by-play. It'll be like a fantasy thing. It's like, oh, yeah. Ross dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> uh, yep, it's not good. So all that to say, like, I think there's... Now, this is with my own team. 
that I hope I've built some trust and relationship with. So for me, I'm going to feel a whole lot more comfortable. But at the same time as an introvert, I it's weird. I want to be involved in a way that I can internalize things. And if I'm facilitating, I can't do that, right? Versus an extrovert, I feel like that's how you do get to your answers is you interact and you have that and you have those conversations versus me. I'm, I'm having those conversations. I'm trying to be thoughtful about it, but I'm also at the same time internaliz- internalizing some of my thoughts. And that's where I think it does depend on the situation. But I've seen, I've never seen an introvert and an extrovert facilitate the same way. I've seen the, I've seen a, I've seen accomplishing the outcome come from both of them. But it's interesting to observe how an introvert or an extrovert facilitates, right? You go to these new employee orientations or these workshops and you've got these like super highly motivated people. And I walk out of there going, oh my goodness, I am so excited to be working for this company. This is amazing. And then you go to another workshop and you walk out of it going, that person did such a good job of clearly getting us to where we needed to go. And it was so effortless. And I've seen both personalities, but yeah, I think it just depends on on what you want to facilitate and and how you want to be. If the, some of the, if you want to get out of a 45 minute meeting, you have to have order and control. Yes. And I think that based on my own personality, I could probably squirrel if, if I didn't have like a set guideline that I need this done by this meeting, mm-hmm. I can't. Cause I find myself scrolling a lot, but a lot of my introverts, they don't, they don't scroll at all. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's why, that's why this, uh, podcast is split into two episodes and wasn't 150 minutes because we have a balance between us. So we managed to go just a little bit over an hour. Total, we would have kept, right? we could have kept going. We would, we would have squirreled for four hours or I would have been done in 15 minutes. So we, we split the difference, Greg. So, so that's, uh, so that's, so that's a good thing. So, True. True. so there, there we have it. So I'm just going to say thank you everyone to listening to our two parts on school Sorry, not school. See, I said it's school work. Again, didn't it's I? work this time. It's, it's work. I hate that when I do that. <laughs> what is it? Oh, I'll edit that out in post again. Yeah, <laughs> Why? It's, it's funny. It's great, right? It, well, it is work for me. Remember, I talked about that. Anyways, yeah. thank you everybody for listening to our two-parter on work. And next time, we're going to keep you guessing because we're going to just figure it out as we go. So thank you everybody for listening to Intro to Extra. Thank you for listening to this week's Intro to Extra. 